Hello, everybody. I uh, apologize for the delay. Uh, this is uh, Peter Panarchy uh, filling in for Will. Um, this is the Oregon Libertarian Podcast. Uh, happy to have you here. I've got uh, Pablo here, the, uh, <clears throat> the leader of the Public Relations Committee and the Member Development Committee on the LPO. Hi, Peter. Great to be here. I am uh, super excited to talk about a whole lot of news, uh, especially today, especially because only a few hours ago, there was a really big story that dropped on Twitter about Twitter and about something that's very near and dear to our hearts, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, but yeah, uh, back to you. Hell yeah. Um, I guess let me introduce myself. Uh, Peter Panarchy here. I'm a Mises Caucus organizer. I'm vice chair of the Libertarian Party of Oregon Public Policy Board. And uh, super excited to talk about the news. Let me drop it over to you, Pablo. Yeah, and just a brief intro. I am a uh, you know proud libertarian partisan. I am a uh, member of the Multnomah Libertarians. I'm our acting chair in Multnomah County, which, uh, if you're not in Oregon, um, houses uh, the a little quiet Christian town that is Portland, Oregon. And uh, I'm also uh, a member of the LPO board, where I'm also uh, helping out with IT stuff. So uh, I'm super excited to uh, fill in for the great Will Hobson, our uh, our fearless leader uh, in Oregon uh, Libertarian Podcast Matters. And uh, yeah, what's on the docket today, Peter? Well, I mean, I guess everybody's talking about this thing that happened with Kanye, which uh, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of late to follow. I mean, there was this, I guess, um, I guess Kanye had dinner with Donald Trump and this guy, Nick Fuentes, and... Milo Yiannopoulos, which uh, I don't know. I don't know if Trump ch- checked his schedule. Did he realize that Nick Fuentes and Milo Yiannopoulos were having dinner with him? But that in, in of itself just seems kind of odd. But It's a really strange story. And um, Kanye uh, Ye West, we're gonna, let's, well, first off, Peter, let's not dead name Kanye West. His name is called himself Ye. So we should um, make mental yep. note here. Um, Ye uh is a cultural figure like no other. Uh, to, to me personally, uh, I, I enjoyed enjoy his music. I, I think he's a, a, a genius. He's terribly troubled. Um, named an album after me, Life of Pablo. Check it out. Uh, but <laughs> he is. If Kanye uh, wasn't, if Ye wasn't Ye, but instead a friend of yours, would you be laughing or would you be concerned about him, Peter? That's a really good point, and I also really did – I do love uh, Kanye's music, especially like when I was in high school, like followed like college dropout, all of that, and really like all the new stuff has been great. And yeah, it is kind of sad to see like, what happened to like such a, a great artist, you know, so I feel like he kind of doesn't really know what's happening, and he's – I really kind of feel like he's being led by uh, Nick and, and Milo, if I could be honest, but – I mean, I guess it kind of leads to like what happened on on Timcast, uh, a really short interview with Tim Pool and Luke on there, where uh, he really just kind of wanted to talk about what's happening to him and the JQ, and I, I really feel like uh, Dave Smith's take is probably right that he just like kind of left at the slightest pushback to the most obvious question. Like maybe it's not all Jews that are doing this to you, but maybe just a, a few specific people. How do you feel about that? 
Yeah, he, well, I think he's mentally ill. And I think that that, that we can't, like, go in and talk about uh, Kanye or Ye without saying this is a guy who has some serious uh, mental health issues and who's having this mental health breakdown in, in public. And, like, this is, you know, uh, it, it's sad. And the, the only reason that, that Kanye Ye is having such, like, pull here is that he's one of the most famous people on the planet. He, however is ill he's not he's not well and he's being ill served so for those of you who don't know and and i don't blame anyone for not knowing who this obscure marginal figure is there's this guy named nick fuentes a fellow latinx like myself uh but unlike me he is outspoken on a couple of really hot button i think he's self-described anti-semitic uh person and somehow he and Nick Ye has been put in touch with Nick Fuentes and uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, who is an internet troll and um, another marginal figure. Both Nick Fuentes and Milo Yiannopoulos have been banned from multiple social media accounts. They've been debanked in, in the same way that maybe makes them um, uh, interesting to Kanye for Ye for whatever reason. But uh, they were also with Ye at. Tim Pool, where after 27 minutes and very light pushback, Ye got up and left in some in what is a literal tantrum, right? There was no, there's no way to sort of describe it in any other. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, and I've watched Ye talk to Lex Friedman, where he it was a very long but sort of tough conversation uh, where he had to answer questions and he couldn't. Ye Ye could not clearly state his argument. He could not bring points to the, the table in. A way that I think Peter would and I would both be familiar with. We, we are no strangers to, to, to sort of the vicious debate. You get a bit of feedback so, coming in there, Pablo. I'm sorry about that. Um, uh, yeah, Peter and I are not strangers to like rigorous debate, and I think the the the, the what Ye did on Tim Cast was not even remotely close to the types of questions he deserves if he's going to have some really, you know, really uh, non-standard opinions. Yeah, maybe uh, uh, disconnect your mic there and uh, re-plug that in, but I guess we should have been clear from the beginning that, uh, yeah, we support free speech uh, as Oregon libertarians in part of the Mises caucus, but uh, at the same time, you need to back up, like, the free speech that you're saying. So we don't support, like, banning anyone for really anything besides uh, violent speech, I guess would be, like, the the bar. But we think that Kanye and Milo and Nick, for whatever reason, should be able to say whatever they think as long as they're not inciting violence. And they, we really should confront these people, like, on these platforms and really tell them, like, why they're wrong, I guess is a big thing to say. But... That's the kind of led to, uh, I guess, uh, Kanye went on uh, Alex Jones, which I guess uh, really took this to the next level, which people were really not expecting, especially myself. Um, and I, I saw the clip that I think that everybody saw that was said, uh, Alex Jones was like, well, I mean, like, uh, sure, like the Hugo Boss uniforms were like uh, pretty cool, but like, uh, we don't really think Hitler's a great guy, right? And and Kanye said, like, no, there's a lot, a lot, let me say, a lot of things that I love about Hitler. And I'll admit, like, I didn't see, like, the whole interview, but that itself was kind of a lot. Yeah, I uh, hopefully the feedback issue's better. 
I what you sound good. Any, yep. Okay, cool. I try. Yeah, try some stuff. I, I watched a, a big chunk of that interview, and I think Kanye. What he failed to make clear was that he he was trying to make the point that that he loves everyone. That that as a Christian man, he 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 loves everyone, and he was saying that he he's not anti-Semitic. That he loves Jewish people. That he loves like literally everyone and his most out, out there and outrageous sort of examples, his hyperbolic examples was uh, loving uh, uh, that national socialist. Alex Jones was in a rare position where he was the moderate in, in the room. And I thought that we, we are, we are through the looking glass here, people like this is, this is not something I ever expected to see. Um, but I feel, again, I feel really bad because, Kanye was was is not well, and um, maybe he can walk this back. Maybe he can say that I was off my meds and this is what happened because there is some element of truth there. So I, I think it's interesting and important though because we we live in a, a culture where there is a sort of three by five index card of allowable opinion, but there's also well, I, I don't think the the culture in general uh, knows how to talk. And, and reason or handle people who are having obvious like mental breakdowns in public. So complex cultural issue for libertarians to navigate. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's complex. I mean, I think that uh, everybody should be allowed to say what they have to say. And as long as they're not inciting violence, that they shouldn't be like banned from any form of social media. Um, I'm sure that Connie has a lot of valid thoughts about like, specific people that fucked him over and i think he should be allowed to say that and really most of the stuff he said like should be on the table but we really need to be not afraid to have the conversation with people that have this opinion you know like i think the worst thing that you could do which i think that like dave smith and robbie obviously and other people have commented is like the, the more that you shut people down like this the more that it feeds the fire of people that say like, okay, people aren't allowed to talk about this. So I think that's really the big problem. Yeah. And I, that, that, that is a really good point to make is that like that, if you wanted to, it, we okay. Big picture. We, we live in a society where it is a measurable fact that uh, institutional trust, trust in governments, trust in universities, trust in corporations is all at record lows. There is an organization called, um, there's a, a, a major public relations organization whose name escapes me at the moment, um, Edelman, Edelman Public Relations. They have been tracking social trust for like 20 years. Like they do a national survey, uh, international survey, several countries, it's a really good way of getting a, a, a barometer on like who's trusted and who's not. And they're, it's, it helps them because they're public relations. This is what they do for a living, right? Um, their 2022 uh, story was record lows of, of, of social trust in governments, in uh, institutions like universities, in the media, which is, to me, like a, a bit of a, a white pill, a reason to be optimistic. The fact that large swaths of the population no longer trust obviously corrupt and decaying institutions like the New York Times and like the U.S. federal government is positive. And for us as libertarians, a reason to be excited about what's coming down the pike. Uh, we are the third largest party in America in a country that no longer trusts its two largest parties. 
So I, I think we're, we're, we're going to win either by attrition or by um, hopefully bold messaging in the years that follow. Uh, but the fact that, that uh, trust is at all time low is uh, a, a reason to be entertaining, um, you know, new, new avenues of connecting and, and Kanye is, Ye is planning on running as a third party candidate. Let's see how far he gets with that. But like, uh, we are, uh, yeah, we're, we're in a position where uh, we could, I think, make some real change. Uh, if we're able to figure out how to connect with the culture, and I think uh, there's a lot of co- lessons here to be learned from the, the yay story. And uh, the more that you suppress ideas, uh, the more uh, credence that you give to c- conspiracy theories, who, which may be grounded in some element of truth, but uh, often go to dark places that we cannot follow. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I mean, uh, I think Dave Smith probably said it best, but the more that you tell people they're not allowed to talk about, like, the Jewish question, the more people question the Jewish question. So we just have it all on the table. Like, yeah, there are are certain people in that community that control things just like any other community, and it's it's naive or, I guess, racist or dumb to assume that it goes for the whole thing, but – uh, so maybe we could talk about a couple other things. Yeah, right, President. Uh, so uh, uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but Chase Oliver, um, the Libertarian Party senatorial candidate for Georgia, uh, announced today he is forming an exploratory committee to uh, become the Libertarian Party nominee in 2024. Chase Oliver, who got 2% of the, libert- of, of the vote in Georgia, um, roughly proportional to the same amount of um, uh, vote share that uh, the Libertarian party senatorial candidate in New Hampshire got Jeremy Kaufman. So, uh, you know, if, if Chase wants to use that as a reason to run, I think, uh, Jeremy should throw his hat in the ring. I've been happy to hear that, uh, Chase is running for president. I mean, it seems like a decent candidate, although not as good as, uh, Dave Smith, who of course, uh, the music caucus is going to be supporting, but, uh, I think maybe some more exciting news would be uh, what's going on in the Libertarian Party of Oregon in regards to um, where we're going to have our state convention, which I understand you have some details on that, Pablo, being as part of the board of directors. I, I do, and I, I'm going to pull up my notes so I can give accurate uh, information to our listeners. But uh, So every every odd year, uh, every two years, every – in that cycle, uh, the Libertarian Party of Oregon has a uh, convention. This is where we are able to get bylaws passed, where we are able to uh, make some change. In leading up into that, we're going to have uh, elections for directors. So if you're interested in serving on the uh, Libertarian uh, Party of Oregon's uh, board, we have uh, director seats open and chair, vice chair, secretary, and treasurer. So um, what we're looking for is uh, uh, folks who are interested in that. And also we need 11 people to serve on our public policy board. So we are going to be uh, in gathering on uh, Sunday, May 28th in Tigard, Oregon at the Sean Gardner Dance Studio. Uh, We will be spending uh, roughly uh, from 11.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. uh, in that space. Uh, And... Well, I'm sorry, 12 hours, 7 a.m. to 11.30 p.m. is how long we have the venue. It's Memorial Day weekend. Um, it's a Sunday of Memorial Day, and uh, we will be in Tigard uh, in a very large space. 
where we can uh, meet and and talk. The the Saturday before the 27th of, of May, we plan on, on doing events in and around Portland, Oregon. Uh, we hope to have uh, either a speaker or a comedy show or uh, some other event for folks. Uh, we've also talked about perhaps putting together a hike uh, so that we can get folks together uh, in a so more social setting before we get down to business on Sunday. Now, this is going to be my first Libertarian Party of Oregon uh, actual convention, Peter. I know you were, I met, I first sort of rolled into the 2021 Libertarian of Oregon convention uh, when they had a comedy show after business was concluded because I came to see Robbie the Fire, not knowing that I was missing uh, Thaddeus Russell, um, among other folks who came out to speak. Can you uh, give us a recap of uh, what the 2021 convention was like? Yeah, I was going to say, I met you at the last convention, so it wasn't your first one, but yeah, it was an interesting convention that uh, Timothy Perkins chaired back in 2021, um, much needed. It was the most attended convention that we've had in over a decade. It was the first one we've had quorum at. Um, we were able to pass like much needed party business. Um, Will and I like specifically really wanted to pass the amendment that had to do with um, nominating the public policy board as a board that would able to discuss like public policy, which I, I serve on now as the vice chair. Um, but yeah, that was the main reason we really wanted to have it. But we also passed electronic voting, which saved the party a ton of money. But it was really nice. So um, the Mises Caucus definitely made that convention happen. Um, previously, they have had like very low attendance for conventions and were never able to actually do anything. But the Mises, uh, I guess you'd say, injection that happened like after Dave Smith debated Nick Sarwark and, and really had that call to action that really made that uh, convention happen, I guess you'd say. So. They're really excited to see where this is going. Really excited that, that Will Hobson is running for chair. And I think he's going to be a great chair. And he definitely has our support. And I think you should have your support as well. Oh, that's an interesting pitch. And like uh, for folks who don't know, the Libertarian Party of Oregon had some uh, really brutal drama um, that, that prevented it for about 10 years from being a, an active organization uh, in the way that it is now. And so as a result of that, that break, that split with that drama, um, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. And it can be said, and it, it is said in the uh, LPedia. If you, you, there's a Wikipedia for the LP called the LPpedia. It, uh, and it mentions that uh, it is the Mises caucus that helped uh, bring the, the Libertarian Party of Oregon together for a uh, quorum where and you need a quorum in order to conduct business. If you don't know, like the, the way that bylaws work for uh, political party organizations. So that was great work that we did that the, that, the Mises Caucus of Oregon did. Uh, I wasn't a member at the time, but I uh, am excited uh, to hope to see how we are going to what we're going to be changing in the future. Um, I think the the Libertarian Party of Oregon has basically in the last two years been uh, emerging like uh, the way that an infant emerges, like from babbling to like coherent sentences and then walking. And we've we've had a couple of spills, like uh, you, as you would expect. Uh, we don't know. Uh, a lot of us are, are political neophytes. We're, we're completely, I mean, Peter, have you ever been uh, an officer in a political party uh, prior to your involvement? No, I was an anarchist um, in high school and I got my hands on Murray Rothbard and 
read Anatomy of the State, and I read uh, Socialism by Mises, and uh, really had no interest in getting involved in politics until I heard that call to action from Dave Smith uh, after he debated Nick Sarwark and said that, like, we cannot have this anymore in the Libertarian yeah. Party. Like, we, we must take a stand, and we must, like, change the Libertarian Party, and we must be the uh, the leaders of it. And so that's when I responded. And I, I met, like, Will and a bunch of other Libertarians I know in Oregon um, because of that. So. It's very, yeah, it, it's really motivating uh, to, to become involved in this civic way. And so, like, I myself was had, had a very long uh, anarcho-capitalist phase, basically uh, from the end of the Ron Paul years to the 2012 campaign to, like, I don't know, 2017, uh, roughly. I uh, didn't believe in partisan politics. I didn't vote. Um, I, I was over it. And um, I, someone who I knew from when I used to live in Los Angeles made the case that involving yourself in politics is an act of self-defense. The way that you would, you know, train with a firearm, the way that you would um, prepare, uh, like, emergency rations for the, in the event of a natural disaster you should also be engaged with the political process because there are things that you could do at the local level at your, in your town, in your, in your county um, that really do matter in moments of crisis. And this person was proven right in 2020 when we saw that uh, the way that the country was locked down actually uh, had a great amount of variation depending on uh, who your city councilor was or who your sheriff was or who your governor was in some cases in, in some of the larger states. Um, Oregon, California, New York State, Illinois, Florida, all, all faced similar problems, a, uh, a respiratory virus, but they all had similar outcomes, but they all took very different steps to trying to combat it. And um, this really instilled in me, and, and I think in other members of the Mises Caucus and other members of the Libertarian Party, what the importance of going local is. To the extent that, well, when we go into convention in 2023 uh, for the Libertarian Party of Oregon, one thing that I am really adamant that we start to talk about as a state party, as we continue to build up our our election and uh, fundraising infrastructure, of the our, our reason for being should be to help get libertarians elected at the most local level, so city councils, uh, county boards of supervisors, uh, in some cases sheriffs. In other cases, uh, where where we can provide, where we can fill in uh, folks in key positions like school boards, so when the rubber meets the road in the next crisis, because there will be another crisis, uh, we have good people in there to say no and obstruct and nullify uh, things that are contra freedom. So uh, that, that's one of the things I'm really excited about as we go into 2023. Yeah, I think that's really well said. Um, are there other things we wanted to talk about? tonight pablo i think uh that that per that that covers it i mean the, the other thing is and i still haven't this just broke before we went into uh the office like uh into the podcast but matt taibbi uh one of the one of the great independent journalists uh on the planet today uh was given access to all of the uh twitter documents about the Hunter Biden laptop story. And um, it looks like the the extent of collusion between the Democratic Party and uh, Twitter's uh, trust and safety people, their, their global communications people, 
was uh, extraordinarily like deep. Like th this was, we've heard the word collusion used a lot uh, in reference to uh, folks who are conspiracy theorists who talk about Russia and uh, Donald Trump and the 2016 election, the, the, the word of Trump-Russia collusion. There was DNC Twitter collusion in terms of suppressing a story that probably would have changed the outcome um, over the 2020 election. And it's just so interesting to me that it involves Ukraine and it involves, um, you know, uh, Hunter Biden, the son of the president, uh, claiming that the big guy, his father, uh, would get some percentage of the the corruption dollars that he was taking in. Uh, and uh, here we are on the brink of a nuclear war uh, with Russia. And it, it, there, it, it looks like at some point, not only was Twitter like an extension of, of government will, but also one specific political faction of the political parties in America. It's wild. Yeah, I mean, it's just so interesting that everything seems to come back to Ukraine. Like whether it be like FTX and that breakdown or whether it be just like the original like Trump impeachment and all of that. Like uh, there's so much that happens with, with Ukraine that seems weird. And I guess just go, going back to the idea that it used to be considered by the New York Times and ABC News and everybody else as like the most corrupt country in Europe. And then all of a sudden when we're supposed to love it, that – that just all goes away, but yeah, it, it is extraordinarily wild. And and you mentioned Sam Bankman-Fried, and you mentioned FTX, and uh, this is another huge story where we just see the gap between reality and uh, the corporate press just widen. Uh, earlier this week, Sam Bankman-Fried was uh, on a panel for the New York Times, uh, asked a bunch of softball questions, um, and it's the equivalent of having. Um, let's see, uh, uh, just who, who's a, who's a notorious thief? Uh, uh, someone it is wild to me. He's getting such, such kid gloves compared to the way that the media has treated people like Edward Snowden or, uh, who else? Uh, uh, Ross Ulbricht. Yeah. Ross uh, Ulbricht, who, especially I've seen some great memes that could say like Ross Ulbricht, like made a website where people could like buy like suspicious things, whereas like Sam Bankman Freed like stole ten billion dollars from people, and like why is this person not in jail? I guess this is the main question. But like he's not even in custody; he's not under any charges. Like this person that like literally brought down an entire like uh, exchange, and like no one questions why this person is not in custody. And, and it's just is is it a coincidence or is it ironic that he's also the third largest donor to the Democratic Party? I mean, we we talk this is this is third world kleptocracy. We are becoming uh, you know a larger version of Ukraine. It feels like uh, in that uh, everything's for sale. Um, but it's a good reminder. It's a good reminder, folks, with this FTX story that if you hold cryptocurrency, if you hold Bitcoin or Ethereum, and it is not in your own self custody wallet. It is not really your Bitcoin. And I think uh, you have an event coming up, uh, Peter, very soon. Yes. Um, I'm going to be talking tomorrow on uh, Gregor's podcast. I'm 
apologize. I don't know the name of it. We're still like in, in details, but like Pablo's right. Like if you don't have the keys to your crypto, you don't own the crypto. So you cannot have your uh, Bitcoin, what have you, on any exchange. You need to have it at your private wallet. They need to have a hot wallet or a cold wallet, preferably. But do not leave like your assets out on these exchanges. You must like take security and take custody of your cryptocurrency. It is vitally important to both you and your interests. Yeah. So what that means is that if you buy your crypto on Coinbase, don't keep it there. Uh, and yeah. and what this Alameda scandal shows us is that um, that all these big exchanges, by the way, are operating outside of the United States because of the way that the financial regulation system works, the banking system works in the United States, there's a disincentive to be located in the United States. Um, so Peter is going to be on the uh, Liberty Mindset, and it's going to be tomorrow at 1 p.m. And um, we are going to link to this in the show notes so that folks can listen to it. It'll also be on Colin. But the Liberty Not Mindset at 1 p.m. tomorrow is when you can hear Peter talk more in depth about self-custody. Um, the other thing that's happening tomorrow is that if you're in Multnomah County, if you're in that quiet little Christian town that is Portland, Oregon, um, please come down to the Multnomah Libertarians holiday party. We are uh, gathering at 2 p.m. at uh, Primal Burger. And uh, there's a very light agenda of, of business uh, starting at 2 it should be over by 2.15, 2.20, where uh, I'm just going to give a couple updates on what our projects are for 2023. But the rest of the time, it's going to be a, a holiday gathering uh, and completely social. The food is delicious. It's an excellent business primal burger on um, – it is on uh, – I forget the, the name of the address. It's on Woodstock. So primal burger on Woodstock in, in Portland. There are two primal burgers. Um, the primal burger on Woodstock is where we'll be. 2 p.m. We have a room, and it's good. Yeah, it's a great place. I've been there a couple different times. Um, encourage you to go there. Uh, great food, uh, great company. And the owner is also an ANCAP who uh, is a little bit uh, – who's not a voter, unfortunately, but, like, maybe, you know, maybe over time if we go there and we, we show him what great things we're working on. Like, we're working on homeschooling projects. We're working on um, – Multnomah Libertarians will be at a bunch of gun shows in 2023 talking to gun owners who are our allies, our natural allies. Almost 50% of people who cast the ballot in the 2022 midterms uh, voted against Measure 114. And I think that's another white pill. Like those are all people that – there's a lot of people that we agree with, uh, and we have a reason to talk to them now. Um, so we're doing stuff on homeschooling, food freedom. Uh, in fe our February meetup, we're going to have uh, someone who is a part of a, a bioorganic, biodynamic farm come and talk to us about local food, uh, which I think is another important issue. And one, you know, Portland is a, a totalitarian hellhole when it comes to like uh, progressive, demonic, like uh, like insanity. But one thing that I learned recently that that Portland's kind of good on is it's that you can have backyard chickens relatively easily anywhere in Portland. So if you wanted to, uh, you know, have livestock, it's it's not impossible. Anyway, uh, we've gone uh, on for a bit, Peter. Uh, I think we're in a, a good place to wrap, unless there's something else uh, we'd like. Is there anyone any any comments from the listeners? 
Any, anything that uh, you want to bring up? Uh, I see Risto in the audience. Yeah, we have two uh, people here that are available to speak if you want to. Otherwise, we'll probably wrap. Going once. Going twice. All right. So here we go. Uh, Peter, feel better. Have some tea. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, I've been kind of roughing it this week. Uh, I've got the sickness that everybody else had, but happy to be here. And uh, glad everybody's doing well. And I think I'm going to close the room here, but thank you very much for having us. And we'll be back with uh, Will uh, next week. Later.